0: and good evening it's June the 13th 2020 coming to you from a thousand feet above Chicago Uh, wait a minute wait wait
1: wait no 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 we're not there
0: oh oh good evening it's uh, June the 13th it's eight o'clock coming to you from the Beach House in Florida This is show number 131, here we go. good evening good evening welcome to the show i am your host gummo this evening yeah uh, in the house uh, we have uh crash how you doing man what's up hey, pretty good man. demo hey it's it's good to be here man it's been a uh, yeah likewise yeah yeah it's good to have you here it's good to be here uh you know i, I for a moment there uh yeah i didn't know where i uh, i was yeah a little uh memory lapse huh <clears throat> Lots of memory lapse. You know, I actually slept most of the day today. You know, I just, uh, I don't know, overwhelmed with, uh, I don't know, a lot of things. thoughts. You you know, everything going on, you know, uh, all of the difficulties happening lately and, you know, just... uh, lots of uh interesting and unique uh opportunities and challenges uh and so it's keeping me busy keeping me occupied how about you man what's going on
1: same thing you know i've just been doing a lot of uh software engineering and stuff um you know that kind of thing so just staying busy myself so
0: very good man yeah and it's it's uh it's it's been it's been a hot minute since we've been uh here at the beach house man you know a couple uh, weeks Couple of weeks, yeah, and you know, there's a reason for that. You know, as we all know, uh, the you know the country's been facing a lot of difficulties mm-hmm. in a, a lot of the major cities, uh, and you know, this is um, mm. you know, it's it's uh, you know, it, it it it's everything, right? It's political. It's everywhere. Yeah. Uh, it's in every it's in every inch and pinch of society, and you know, uh. You know, I I decided I I really didn't want to uh, engage in that uh, because you know uh, anyone who knows me has knows that you know I grew up in the hood, right? You know, there was no denying that in the ghetto, and Mm -hmm. straight ghetto, right? And and growing up, that the shit that people see now and that are you know that uh, what's going on is. You know, that shit was everyday life for me, man, every day. Yeah. And, and so my, my whole thought on the, the whole everything is that, you know, uh, the, the streets are talking, man. And I think people should listen to the streets because they have a lot to say. Yeah, I agree. And uh, it's, it's not that uh, I'm not for or against anything or anybody's thoughts or ideas or, or religions or political viewpoints. Of course, we've never shared any of that here on the show. And I'm, I'm going to continue uh, to, uh, you know, keep that standard because uh, I, I don't, while I do support and, you know, don't support a lot of ideas and ideals, uh, I, I don't think this is the place to really bring that uh, uh, I don't think this is the, the, the best forum for it, and um, no. I'm going to keep it that way. And so, uh, you know, it's, it is it is what it is, and um, it, it, it's not shocking to me. And if it's shocking to you, well, then uh, there's something that you can do about it. And there's something that everyone can do about these, uh, these injustices that happen to people, uh, not only locally uh, and, uh, you know, regionally but nationally and globally and it's just not a, a a problem in the united states it's it's a problem everywhere and it, and it all begins with um stamp downs with authoritarian uh, authoritarianism uh thinking and yeah. uh beginnings and endings in that effect and so um it, 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 the people do have a voice, and it, everywhere you live, you do have a voice, and you should make your voice heard in the most democratic and peaceful way possible. There are paths that are established in, in places like the United States for that peaceful process to happen. And if, if, um, if you're not part of that process, then you're not making a change. And so uh, cooler heads always prevail. I've always said that. Yeah, I agree. And uh, the best way to ha- make your voice heard is at the polls, and um, and peacefully, right? Peacefully yeah. uh, getting your word out, and so that's what I encourage, uh, and I've always encouraged that uh, is, is peace, uh, love, uh, love, and caring. And uh, there's there's just no denying it. And so, uh, best of luck to uh, anyone out there that's uh, you know experiencing this, these uh, difficulties. Uh, and, um, you know, uh, we, we wish you the best and, um, yeah, and we're, we're right here. Uh, just, we are definitely right here in the thick of it, uh, as well. So, well, yeah, uh, yeah. And it's been, it's constant, right? You know, you've got peop- you know, people, you know, asking that, um, you know, the Paw Patrol cartoon be taken down because they, you know, it's about, you know. Uh, you know, it's, it's a cartoon for children and it's, you know, with foxes uh, or whatever the hell it is that yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a cartoon for children. And right. And yeah. so, uh, you know, there's there's as I said, there's a good way to have your voice heard. And then there's there's, some, you know, there's the points in, in peril of, uh, you know, insanity and ridiculousness. And so yeah. uh, making sure that you followed the laws that, you know, people before you and us and I, uh, created to maintain law and order. Uh, I believe that's the way, that's the path, uh, not running around spray painting shit on windows and, and breaking things and tearing yeah. shit up. Yep. And so if that's you, you should be ashamed of yourself. Uh, that's no way, uh, that's not what an American uh, citizen does. Right. Uh, it, it, we, uh, you know, in America, uh, the the right way is peaceful, protests, and making your voices and voice heard at yeah. the polling place. Yeah, and so and, that's
1: and I think the quote uh goes without saying
0: is that the pen is mightier than the sword. So, indeed it is, my man. Yeah. And you know, if if we all know that there's a lot of injustices happening and they've always happened, like I said, I grew up and that shit was normal for me. But for it to for it to to boil over into everyday life uh as ugly as it has uh, there are there are those uh, processes to take, and there's that process to take, yeah. uh, and that is with your pin, and you can make those changes. Uh, it's 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 relatively uh, it's relatively uh, understanding of how to get things on a ballot wherever you live in, in your local community, and um, that's where the change begins. It begins with you and your neighbors and your and your fellow citizens, and everyone uh and um, doing it peacefully uh by by voting in and out the 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 things and the processes and people that aren't doing what they're uh required to do yeah. in today's society and so fuck <laughs> it's been it's been crazy man right and it so, has it's, it's been um, a whirlwind yeah it's it's been nuts and i you know and I I really had no words, and my my words are, you know, my words are really, uh, you know, there's a lot of reasons, there's a lot of causes and a lot of effects for this, and um, I really had no words. Uh, I I think uh, we all should make our voices heard uh, when the voting comes around, and that's all I'm going to put out there on that. Make your voices heard. If you're sitting at home and you're not making your voices heard peacefully, fucking peacefully, not out there damaging shit and ruining people's livelihood and obeying the laws that are currently there for you to follow, yeah, we know shit is really fucked up out there. It's always been fucked up. But you can make those changes peacefully when it's time to vote, and that's what we encourage you to do. That's what I encourage you to do. Uh, uh, You know, hey, let's, let's skip the uh, flip here, man. Uh, we've got a, a jam-packed show uh, this evening. Uh, we've got the news coming up here in a moment, and so we'll get that off the ground. Go, go, where the fashions are. Go, go, where the savings are. Are go go where the
1: savings are,
0: save save more on family clothing. Go go. All right, uh, we're, we're just going to run through the news uh, real quick because, as I said, we have a jam packed show for you this evening, uh, and uh, it's not going to be any scooter stuff, neither.
2: Fire! Hey, hey, hey!
0: Yeah, right. So, we're going to keep it real simple and all of that, and uh, with that. Uh, you know, recently, man, uh, the the life yeah the, uh, this this whole there's a lot of cyber attacks going on, and uh, the Life Health Healthcare Group uh, took its systems completely offline recently after a cyber attack. Uh, the Life Health uh, Life Healthcare Group said it does not know to which the extent sensitive data has been compromised. However, investigations are underway. Uh, you know, and. Uh, as a precautionary measure, you know they've taken their systems offline, and um, it's uh, it's it's really affected a lot of things. Uh, that they, they you know the the company uh, calls it a security incident, and uh, they they've uh, admitted that they've taken their systems offline, uh, and uh, according to the business processing uh, systems and email servers, they took those offline as well, and um, they they stated that it's for a precautionary measure, and so. Uh, you know, that's uh, – and everybody's getting hit, right? You know, uh, the Honda factories recently were taken offline uh, following a snake ransomware attack. And, um, you know, it just it, it just keeps on going and going and going. Jesus, it's crazy. And with all that said, you know, uh, what we were just speaking about, with all of the difficulties, you know, it's stuff like this, you know, where <laughs> – you know, the, the L.A. schools... Get this, man. Get this. The L.A. schools... They have their own police department. Really? In, in Los Angeles. They have, you know... Most large city school systems have police departments. Yeah, yeah. Well, in L.A., the, poli- the, the school system police uh, have vowed to return grenade launchers, but keep the rifles in an armored vehicle. Uh. I'm kind of unsure <laughs> of why any police department, not just a school system police department, but any police department, what in the hell do they need grenade launchers for? Yeah, see, that's the militarization of police. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's kind of unreal. Los Angeles Unified uh, School Police officials said uh, Tuesday that the department will relinquish some of the military weaponry it acquired through a federal program that furnishes local law enforcement with surplus equipment. The move comes as education and civil rights groups have called on the U.S. Department of Defense to halt the practice for schools. The Los Angeles School Police Department, which serves the nation's second largest school system, will return three grenade launchers but intends to keep 61 rifles and a mine resistant ambush protected armored vehicle it received through the program. What <laughs> Yeah, that's LA that's Unified bizarre. is one of the uh, uh, listen, I'm not going to go any further than that. And that's from the LA Times. That's that's bizarre, man. Come on. That's completely really? bizarre. And see folks, it all begins with you and your voices at the polls. If Yes that is so true it is shit like this that has is shit like this that has boiled to the surface you know like who are who in the hell are we at war with
1: yeah i mean well that's the thing it's like why why is the police at war with its own people or the government or the state or who where or whatever it's yeah you Man. know why does the why do police officers have ar15s and and all sorts of crazy Automatic weapons, like I, I get that they're underpowered via, you know, by criminals. Just, but there's no reason
0: for police officers to have such heavy power. There's, it's, it's completely. I, I completely agree, you know, and anyone with any common sense would completely agree with that. It's yeah. just not a viewpoint. It's, 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 it's a, it's a viewpoint of common f- fucking understanding. Yeah. You know, there's no reason. Any police department needs fucking grenade launchers. I exactly. mean, it's ridiculous. And that's and 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 again, you know, with policing as it is currently here in the United States, you know, statistically, you know, for every million people, there are what three thousand people shot or a hundred people shot and killed by the police here in the United States. Yeah. Versus Norway, where there is zero people killed and by the police each year, and there you know and then of course you you have the entire sliding scale of countries that are lowest to highest but you know the united states is the highest in the world in that capacity so again my question is who in the hell are police at war with i mean when they when 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 they when police officers take off their uniforms they become a regular citizen yeah so this this is the thing. Right. And so I, I think it all begins with proper training and de and, and police understanding instead of police understanding de-escalation. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. That's a big it, part of it. I, I would love to see statistics on how many police departments have actually trained in de-escalation techniques. Rather than combat. Rather than combat and, yeah. and kill joy techniques. And so let, let, let's consider that. Let's open that up for a discussion or thoughts with not us, because it's only you and I here at the Beach House tonight. Mm-hmm. But let that let that be a conversation starter for a lot of uh, our listeners out there and uh, our listeners to engage with. You know, um, it all begins with training and de-escalation. And when, when, when you're not taught that, when you're not trained that, when you're taught to... When you're taught to, uh, you know, attack people, attack citizens, U.S. citizens, with armored vehicles and grenade launchers, I mean, how in the hell do you think people will react? Exactly, and that's why things are burning and people are rioting and so on and so forth. That's that's absolutely correct. And so that's the that's that's one of the beautiful beautiful and remarkable things about the United States and and our laws and constitution. It gives us the people the opportunity to make those changes. But again, they, these changes need to, and they must be made with a cool, clean, calm head and at the polls. Yeah. Not tearing shit up. Not, 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 it's unfathomable that, that anyone would tear something up, tear other people's property up, no matter how angry you are. It's just unfathomable. And, and you have to have a peaceful change. And change begins with peace, and that's 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 just that's man shit. It's not hard to to, to grasp. Uh, and lastly, uh, in the news, wow, because yeah, we have to move on. Uh, SpaceX launches 58 Starlink satellites and three Planet SkySats. Uh, you know what? Listen, folks. Uh, I'm Not really sure if you've been tuning into the entire space program. But uh, they are doing some amazing things. And SpaceX in specific has been doing some amazing stuff. Uh, You know, uh, SpaceX successfully launched its first uh, rideshare mission into orbit uh, today. And, uh, uh, you know, lofting a new batch of 58 Starlink Internet satellites along with three small Earth observation satellites before nailing a, a Falcon 9 landing at sea. That is just amazing how the Falcon 9 lands like that on yeah. a drone ship. It was really cool. Oh, my God. <laughs> it, it, is. it is. It is absolutely cool. And uh, it was mostly a clear morning this morning. You know, of course, the uh, rocket went off uh, just before dawn. Right. Uh, you know, I woke up and uh, actually went outside and saw that. Really? Yeah. You could see it right here on the beach, man. Clear as day, huh? Yeah. Clear yeah. as day. <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah. I could. You could actually see it. I must it. have missed it. Y- you were yeah, I yeah. think I was cooking breakfast or something. I'm not sure what you were doing. Yeah. Uh, it was uh, mostly clear, though, this morning with just a few clouds. And so, um, you, know, uh, you know, at, the, at Cape Canaveral uh, Air Force Station in Florida, you know, that's where we're at, uh, you know, a lot of people were treated to an awesome view uh, in the pre-dawn sky. The uh, glow from the rocket's engines were visible uh, well into the flight. Uh, and again, it was about five twenty this morning. It was really awesome. Uh, the you know the exhaust from the rocket was uh, actually illuminated by the sun, which was just below the horizon. So uh, it looked like um, it really looked like a nebula. Oh wow! Like like a cloud nebula. It was yeah. super duper cool. Oh that's cool. I mean, cool. Ch- hey, take a look at that. Wow! See that? Isn't that crazy? That's wow. what I saw this morning.
1: Yeah, that's wow. Okay. That's what I saw
0: this morning. Yeah. That's incredible. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Yeah, we should encourage the, our listeners to check that out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's so yeah, man. That's that's how it was going down this morning. Uh but yeah, uh it was it was very interesting. Very interesting. Hey, you know what uh you know you know one thing, one of the things that uh hey, that's it for the news by the way. That's end of news. Uh one of the things that I wanted to talk about that we've that you've always actually asked me to talk about. Yeah. It's, it's a good topic. I think that it should be looked at a lot deeper
1: um, because it can be applied to many fields, not just um, computer technology or, or inform- Well, I mean, it's information technology, but it it could be utilized, let's say, with
0: light. You know, you you, you could step Ooh! <laughs> I almost gave it away. Okay, 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 okay. So, uh, what 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 uh, what you are definitely referring? to. I'm excited to. about it. That's why. <laughs> and, and 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 rightly so. I mean, we, you and I, we've played around with the technology. We actually did a show with the technology embedded in one of the shows. Mm, yeah, we did actually. We did. We did. We absolutely did. And uh, it, this, this it's really cool technology. It's been used for ages, and it's still in use today, believe it or not. What is this super strange secret technology that I'm speaking of? I'll tell you what it is. It's called steganography. Can you say that? Steganography. Steganography. Mm-hmm. And what is steganography? You know, I'll tell you what steganography is. I'm gonna quote Wikipedia here. Steganography is the practice of concealing a file, message, image, or video within another file, message, image, or video. The word steganography comes from the new Latin stenographia, which combines the Greek words steganos, meaning covered or concealed, and graphia, meaning writing. The first recorded use of the term was in 1499 by Johannes, whatever the fuck his name is, and his uh, whatever the fuck that is. And so check out for the rest of stenography. You should actually go to the Wikipedia page because I can't read any words larger than a a high schooler. So So, so it seems this evening. That's okay. So with that said, uh, we wanted to uh, go ahead and share a a wonderful... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know we really have to do the show earlier when we uh, haven't had any wine so yeah i was gonna say we need to take it easy
1: on the champagne too yeah so. yeah we're trying yeah. um <laughs>
0: celebrating the bitcoin you know well yeah okay well a, a little bit you know, a i mean we're things. not drinking that much champagne it's more wine than anything more wine yeah, yeah. I, i'm you yeah, i'm light yeah, wine coolers for me uh, so we wanted to share some information uh, with you guys uh, and, and, and have you check out this talk uh, we found it quite interesting and we wanted to share it with you and it's about steganography and uh, so yeah here it is enjoy and we'll come back uh, after the talk and uh, we'll, sit. we'll say our goodbyes check it out
2: good morning I'm John Ortiz. I'm here to talk about advanced steganography, advanced JPEG steganography, and detection. Okay. All right, so one of these two images has about 69,000 bytes hidden in it out of a file size of about 330,000 bytes, which is about 20% of the file. So we can take a closer look. I'm going to dim the lights a little bit for this one. So this is the picture on the left. Here's a picture on the right. Left. Right. Looking at it closely, um, especially like if you look above the eye, you might be able to see slight differences. But there's no way you can tell that one of them has hidden data and the other one does not. And that's the hidden data. Just, a, just an image. You can actually hide anything inside of a JPEG. Whatever you want to hide. So here's what we'll talk about today. We'll overview the JPEG algorithm uh, then how to exploit it for hiding. I think I've got about ten different techniques to uh, talk about. And then how to detect exploited JPEGs. And then if we have time we'll do a demonstration. I've got about 150 slides so we'll have to go really fast. (laughs) I'm kidding. That makes 85 not sound so bad. All right. So just a little bit about me. I'm an engineer, uh, part-time professor and part-time comedian. Um, I was always an engineer from birth. You know, I counted powers of two when I was a kid instead of sheep. I know some of you all have done that too. Uh, I published my first game when I was two to the fourth and then a couple others throughout college. Uh, you haven't heard of them. It's not like Pac-Man or anything. Uh, graduated from school, joined the Air Force, Um, got a master's degree, worked for a bunch of different companies. They keep getting sold. Currently I'm working for Harris IT services. And I do reverse engineering and malware analysis. So steganography is kind of a hobby of mine. And you won't see any slides about me being a comedian because I'm not that funny. See what I mean? All right. The JPEG algorithm. Super easy. Uh, <coughs> JPEG was developed because there was a big need for data compression, and there still is. JPEG is probably the most ubiquitous uh, file format on the internet. And here's the algorithm. Doesn't look easy. So we have a color plane conversion. We convert from unsigned to signed. We do this thing called the discrete cosine transform. We quantize it, run length encode it, and entropy code it. So basically we apply some lossy compression and then we apply some lossless compression. So the color com- plane conversion goes from RGB, which is the normal red, green, blue, to YCRCB. The reason it does that is because we can compress the chrominance components more than the luminance. The human eye is less sensitive to chrominance, so we can actually compress them more and still have a very good looking image. Then we quantize it. Um, It uses different quantization tables for the luminance and the chrominance. That's how it compresses it more. Here's the formula. We're not going to talk about that. We don't have time. But it's there in the slides for your reference how to convert from RGB to YCRCB. We do a two dimensional discrete cosine transform. I don't remember who wrote this. I'll read it to you. The purpose of this is to modulate the influence of different spectral components on the image. All it means is we separate the low frequencies from the high frequencies. The high frequencies contribute less detail so we can get rid of them and still have a good image. Here's the formula. In the class I teach, uh, we go through it in great detail. It looks really ugly, doesn't it? But it's not. It's it's actually not that bad. So real quick here. There we go. Basically, the A sub X Y is your pixel value and then this is a bunch of cosine stuff. And X and Y go from zero to seven and zero to seven because it's an eight by eight block which is the size that JPEG uses to work with. And it just adds it all up and multiplies by these cosines. It can be implemented in software very easily with that. Just a four nested for loop. Okay? The, uh, the basis that you see down there, that's a four dimensional array. There actually is a use for a four dimensional array, and this is it. You calculate all the cosine stuff once, and then you just use it uh, to multiply by the pixel values instead of recalculating the cosine, because cosine calculation is slow. So it's very fast. So on each 8 by 8 block, you end up doing 4,096 calculations. So in, a, in an image that's, what, 512 by 512 Um, That's uh, 6 times 6, 64, I don't know, 4096 blocks, each with 4096 calculations. Seems very slow. So people ask me all the time, well, how long does it take to do all that? Well, when you open a JPEG, it does all that. So that's how long. 3.6 gigahertz is really fast. Then after we do this cosine transform and we quantize it, we divide the 8x8 8 8 block by another 8x8 8 8 block, the quantization table, we end up with what's called the quantized DCT coefficients. That's where the steganography happens, in the quantized DCT coefficients. So that's why it's important to kind of at least have a rough understanding of how the JPEG works. Now, from there on, after you get the quantized DCT coefficients, the compression is lossless. So whatever you change those coefficients to, uh, the run length encoding and the Huffman coding, that gets saved to disk, those changes are saved to disk. They're not compressed away anymore because there's no loss in those processes. So here's a a mandrel, which is a very common image when you're working with uh, steganography. You'll see this mandrel image all over the place. And the numbers you see on the screen are the actual values from that file. Now this is a grayscale file, so there's no chrominance component. There's only the luminance component in this one. Um, I expanded the pixel so you could see the colors and see the actual numbers that are there. So here's the actual numbers. Here are the DCT values. After taking this A 8 block and putting it through that discrete cosine transform, you end up with these values. Okay, and those those are the actual values. Then we apply this quantization table, and my hand always shakes. That's why I'm not a surgeon. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to say oops. Um, so we take this value here and divide by that value there to get that value there. I'm just going to have to use this screen. We take this value here divide by that value to get that value and so forth. So in other words, for each element in the DCT array, we divide by the corresponding element in the quantization array. And the result is this one. So notice all the zeros. A lot of those values go away, leaving only a few up here. And then that portion is run length encoded and Huffman encoded. So it's compressed and then compressed again and that's why JPEG does so well. It adds pattern and then it gets rid of a lot of stuff that you can't see. Well, here's the numbers after quantization and now we're going to go backwards. Okay? This is if you're opening a JPEG on a disk. So we take that number, multiply it by that number and we get that number. That one, multiply it by that one, get that one and so forth. Okay. These are the dequantized values, um, and then these are the original values. So there's a big difference, right? This is negative 384. This is negative 377. And there's a lot of zeros down here. But that's okay. The picture still looks good. And then when we run this through the reverse DCT algorithm, which is very similar to that other formula I showed you. Okay. You run it through the reverse. And you get the new actual pixel values. These are the actual pixel values in the result. They're not exactly the same. 127, 129, 147, 145. But they're close. And so it still looks good. It's different mathematically. But visually, to us humans, it looks very close. So there's just a sample calculation for that 512 by 512 image, as I mentioned. So there's 16 million calculations for an image like that. Plus the Huffman encoding, the color plane conversion, the run length encoding and all that. And a 512 by 512 is a pretty small image on the screen. But we have fast computers. So it doesn't doesn't bother us. All right. You've got to understand the DCT coefficients. So I'll say one more thing about those. You do all the math. You get these values. You quantize them. And then those are the numbers that you can manipulate for hiding. Those are the numbers that we manipulate. And there's a bunch of different ways to manipulate them. And we're going to look at, I think, about ten of them. The First one is called uh, swap DCT. This one's kind of interesting. It's, it's different than a lot of others. Um, <clears throat> this came directly from a published uh, paper. The author picks some DCT coefficients. I'm going to try the mouse here. That might be better. You see? Can you see? Yeah, we can see that also. So you pick, this is the quantization table, so you pick a couple of coefficients ahead of time. Either the 14s or the 24s or the 22s. Pick one of those pairs. And then you do this for each 8 by 8 block in the image. So you read the image, do all the math and you get your 8 by 8 block of DCT coefficients. And then you read your message. And the message can be anything. It doesn't have to be a picture. It can be a PowerPoint slide presentation. It can be an executable file. It can be a zip file. It can be encrypted. It doesn't matter. The message to the hiding algorithm looks just like a stream of bits. Just reads them bit by bit. So you read your message and you look at the coefficient value. Now, remember, what's on the screen here is the quantization table. That's not the coefficient values. That's just the quantization table showing which pairs of coefficients we chose to hide in. And you look at your message and, and it's arbitrary which way you go. But uh, we'll say if your message bit is a zero, then coefficient one has to be greater than coefficient two. If your message bit's a one, then coefficient two has to be greater than coefficient one. So sometimes that's already true. Sometimes when you check the coefficients, the correct ratio is already valid. So you don't change anything. Your message is already there. And you go on to the next block. If your message isn't there, then they swap the DCT coefficients so they're in different positions. So that now it is true. And you don't have to, uh, you just, that's all you have to change. And then you go on to the next block. So basic algorithm, select a cover block, get the DCC transform, read the message bit, um, check the ratio. If it's true, don't change anything, move on to the next block. If it's not true, swap the coefficients, move on to the next block. So on extraction, all you have to do is read the file, look at the coefficients, and say if C0 is greater than C1 or C1 is greater than C2, it's a zero, and if C2 is greater than C1, it's a one. Extract that out and save it. Go to the next block until you save all your bits. Um, I will mention the, these authors use the unquantized coefficients. I don't know why; makes it a lot harder to work with. Um, I did implement this algorithm in uh, the Steg JPEG program, which all of you are welcome to have. If you want the program, you can email me or whatever, and I'll be happy to make it available to you. And uh, but I did not work with the unquantized coefficients. I worked with the quantized coefficients because it was a lot easier. Well, this has kind of got low capacity. You can only do one bit per block. So with the 256 by 256 image, you get what, 1024 blocks, 1024 bits. So that's only 128 bytes. Not very much. Could use all three pairs. Well, some other authors came along and decided to improve on that a little bit. And they used a set of coefficients. Swap. And they actually had a set of what eight coefficients and said, Well, we're going to pick three of these eight coefficients and then use those ratios to swap. Okay, we get a little bit more robustness out of it um, and get a little bit, uh, well, we get the same capacity one bit per block, but it gets harder to extract because the extractor needs to know for each block which coefficients did we pick. In the other method, we just simply use the same coefficients every single time. In this method, they are picked from a set of coefficients. So I looked at that and I thought, well, why just two coefficients or three, three coefficients or four? Why not use all of them? See how that works. So I select, I have 31 pairs of coefficients in this particular implementation. Now, I found that uh, you don't want to use the DC coefficient, which is that one, because you change that and it really distorts the image a lot. I also found that using these two really distorts the image a lot. Uh, So the program does allow you to use uh, those two, but you will get a really distorted image, as we will see all the rest get to be used and we'll see the results. I found uh, experimentally that uh, I can use up to about 24 pairs of coefficients and the image will still look pretty good. So I just show the matching pairs up here that, that I chose and the program will go through each block and just go through all the matching pairs. Now, one thing my implementation does is it does not make any changes to the values of the coefficients. So if they're equal, it just skips them. So if they are if they're equal, then it doesn't change them. Other than that, it can use them to swap. And there is a reason for that. And we will see that when we get to the detection part. So here is an implementation. Um, I used uh, 24 pairs in this particular case. So 6.5% random bytes hidden in this image. About 10 bits per block on average, or almost 11. And so much higher capacity. And I still, even it's not as clear on the screen, of course, but even on the monitor, zoomed in, I can't see a difference. So that is implemented on the program. Here's where I use 31 coefficients. Can anyone see a difference on that one? Yeah, you can. uh, You can really see the distortion, right? That's pretty clear on that one. That is distorted. And if you look at it closely, what you find is kind of the the block is reversed. Like if it's got a, a, the dark on half of it and the light on the other half, it's kind of mirrored on there. Uh, so 31 was too much if you care that it gets noticed by a human. Of course, sometimes you may not care if it gets noticed by a human. You know, you're trying to protect your network. Who's the guy that has to sit around and look at all the JPEGs that come across? <laughs> I did a demo once and uh, just browsing websites within a uh, a Minute, I got thousands of little JPEGs that were downloaded to my computer. So sometimes when you're hiding this stuff, you don't even re- really care if it's noticeable by a human. Maybe you only care if it's noticeable statistically. Okay? But this will look and feel like a JPEG to any program that analyzes it as far as you know, checking the, the validity of the file. Well, you can also add cryptography to the mix. So for any one of these techniques, you can just encrypt your message before you actually put it in there and that will complicate extraction because then after you extract it, then you've got to decrypt it, right? But doing that is no fun. So I built a little cryptography into the program. It will do some uh, XOR cryptography and, uh, and some permutation. Now the permutation is cool because it will then spread the message over the entire image. For instance, if the message is smaller than the capacity on a JPEG, it comes from top to bottom. And so you would see distortion in the top half of the picture and not distortion in the bottom half. So that's a very clear indication of something is going on. So looking at the uh, 24 pairs, um, I saved each pair in a list as it went through. So as it processed the JPEG, it just saves them out in the list. And then later, when it's all done, it reads the message, permutes the list, and swaps the coefficients as required. So it's spread cryptographically over the entire image. All right, so that's the swap technique and a couple variations. Then there's the least significant bit technique. You've probably heard of least significant bits with respect to bitmaps. Well, we can use the least significant bit of the quantized DCT coefficients, just as the way you can with bitmaps you get a lot more capacity than one bit per block. Basically, you get one bit per, well, non 0 or non‑one coefficient. You cannot use the one coefficient to hide a value because if your message bit is a zero, well, then the one changes to a zero and now you have a zero there. And if you use zero to hide, you're going to end up changing a lot of zeros to ones, which is going to vastly increase the file size and also be very noticeable. So we don't use one, we don't use zero, but everything else we can use, we can use negative one because when you change the least significant bit of a negative one, try the mouse again, there's a negative one in binary. It changes to a zero and that's actually a negative two. So negative one becomes negative two, not zero, when you change the least significant bit. So here's an image I hid using the LSB technique. Quality 65. Um, the, The standard quantization table that I showed you just for a frame of reference is a quality of 50. Okay? So that's kind of right in the middle. And then you can make a higher quality by putting lower numbers in there. And you can make a lower quality by putting higher numbers in there. The higher the numbers that you divide by, the more zeros you get in the output. Um, most uh, JPEG editing programs that I've seen will allow you to adjust the quality, you know, save it as high quality or low quality type thing. So quality 65 is what is used for this. You have a storage capacity of about 50,000 bytes, which is about 15% of the file size. At quality equals 100, we have a storage capacity of 97,000 bytes. So about 40,000 bytes more. It's better looking, but the file size is larger. But who cares? I mean, how many of you look at the file size of your JPEGs? I mean, maybe, you know, you take, file, you take pictures with your camera, get three, four, eight megabyte files out of it. But, you know, so one megabyte JPEG file, not a big deal. Outguess is a technique that's been out there for quite some time. Um, the source code is available online. Uh, And it's a little bit different in that it makes two passes on the JPEG image. On the first pass it hides the message in the bits. And then on the second pass it goes and changes unused bits to try to balance the statistics. And we're going to look at the statistics in the second half of the presentation. I'm going to make sure I get there. Okay. So the statistics of the file are better preserved uh, without guess. Which makes detection more difficult. We have F5. F5 has probably been one of the toughest ones to crack. I think it came out in the early 2000s, 2002, 2003, somewhere like that. And it took about five years before researchers figured out a good way to detect stuff in F5. So it does things, uh, it does a number of things. Um, It's really sophisticated and it's really cool. So, first of all, it hides in the, in the bits but it does not take the message bit and stuff it into the DCT coefficient. Rather it looks at the least significant bit of the DCT coefficient and says does that match my message? Of course if it does then you move on. If it doesn't it subtracts one from that coefficient, from the magnitude. So one minus one is zero and so it can't hide there negative 1 minus 1 is really negative 2, but it subtracts 1 from the magnitude, so negative 1 goes to 0. So it can't hide in a negative 1 either. Okay? So one of the, um, I guess one of the detractions is that you get more zeros with the F5 algorithm once you have hidden in the image. Uh, But as it turns out, it doesn't really matter. Other than that, it subtracts. So if you have a negative 2, then it subtracts and becomes negative 1 you have a positive two, it subtracts because po- positive one. And the reason it does that is trying to balance the statistics of the DCT coefficients. Kay? And we'll see that graphically a little bit later on. So I don't want to get into it too much right now. F5 is difficult to detect. The other thing, another thing it does is it inverts the meaning of a negative coefficient. So a one means a zero on negative coefficients and a zero means a one that was also done to help keep the balance. It does permutative straddling, which is just a fancy way of saying it permutes the order of the coefficients that it hides in so that it spreads the message cryptographically throughout the entire image. It is not concentrated in one spot. And it uses matrix encoding. The idea with matrix encoding is we are going to use three DCT coefficients to hide two bits. So it's a little less efficient. You lose a little capacity from that. But by doing it this way, you only have to make a single bit change. No matter what your two message bits are, you only have to make a single change at most to one of the three coefficients. So it reduces the amount of actual change. Because change in the coefficients is what gets detected change in the coefficients is what can be detected either statistically on the DCT values or on the other technique we're going to talk about detecting the blockiness. Another technique, statistically invisible steganography is what they titled it, um, but it can be detected. There is no technique that I know of that absolutely 100% cannot be detected. So, what they do is they count how many non zero DCT coefficients in a block. And if it's over a certain threshold, then they'll hide in that block. And if it's not, they won't. Now, the advantage of this is that they're actually kind of checking each block for its, um, its if it's good, if it's suitable for hiding. So, like, say you have a smooth sky background or a sunset or something like that. That's less suitable for hiding than a complex background with, with lots of stuff going on in the, in the image. And so they, uh, they check that first, and if it's too smooth, they don't hide there. So only if it meets some complexity threshold do they hide. So in their uh, threshold, they need between 20 and 39 of the coefficients to be non zero. So it adds up, and then it adds up the coefficients, gets a sum and then if the sum equals the message, we're good. Don't change anything. If the sum doesn't equal the message, then you can add or subtract one from the largest magnitude coefficient. So they only make a small bit change for each block. Of course, you have a small capacity that way, but it is very difficult to detect. Yes, yet another steganographic scheme that resists blind steganalysis is another program that's out there. This one will select a larger than 8 by 8 block. Like maybe a 10 by 10 block or 11 by 11 block. And from that, select a sub 8 by 8 block. So in a 10 by 10 block you can have nine different 8 by 8 blocks out of that. And then it will use that 8 by 8 block that it selects, which is different for every 10 by 10 and hide in that. Performs a conversion, the quantization, and then hides in those DCT coefficients. So that really is another way of kind of complicating extraction. Now, they ended up having some errors with that technique, um, and so they had to implement error correcting codes uh, in order to compensate for that. My personal favorite is this one. This is the one that I use for the demo. Um, This is the one where you saw the uh, dog picture with the hidden data with the hidden praying mantis and so forth. This high capacity DCT uh, algorithm. It's basically an adaptive technique. This technique adapts to the DCT coefficient. So it hides more bits in the larger coefficients and fewer bits in the smaller coefficients. Of course it can't use zero or one for the same reason that we couldn't use zero or one in the other Uh, situation. But with a larger coefficient, it can hide more information. I found to get the full effect of this technique, to get the best uh, capacity, you have to use a quality of around 75. If you use less than that, then you've got to kind of manually lower the capacity. Otherwise uh, you're going to see a distortion. We'll see some examples of that, too. So this one will choose the block to be embedded and then it checks the block for uniformity so it kind of does a little analysis on the block and says is this a good block for hiding or not a good block for hiding. Even if it's not a good block it still uses it but it automatically scales the capacity that it tries to use for that particular block. So we have this alpha value and we have the uniformity value. And it will determine how many bits can I hide in that coefficient. And then it replaces the message bits I mean, the, those bits with the message bits. So, so with one coefficient, it might only hide one bit, and it grabs that bit, puts it in there. For another coefficient, it might be able to hide three bits or four bits. So then it'll grab four bits of message and put that in there. More math, right? <laughs> um, the idea with the uniformity is that if it's a uniform, as before, if it's uniform uh, block. We're going to be more sensitive to change than if it's a non-uniform block. So if it's non-uniform, we can hide more. That's the formula there, the sum of the squares, take the square root of that. And there's a threshold. And if it's below the threshold, it's uniform. And if it's above the threshold, it's non-uniform. Lower frequency components can hide more bits generally. They're usually larger. But there's ‑‑ but they cause more distortion. High-frequency components have more. Um, I mean, you can you can they, they you cannot hide as many bits in them because most of them go to zero. Remember, in the lower right-hand corner of the DCT coefficients, there was a lot of zeros. Those are the high-frequency components. So we can hide any uh, any coefficient that's not zero or one. All right. So here's an example where we have our uh, quantization table there's two math calculations done. There's one calculation done, one calculation done based on this value in the quantization table. And one calculation done based on that value in the actual DCT coefficient. And it says how many bits can I hide based on the value in the quantization table? How many bits can I hide based on the actual DCT coefficient? And then it takes the smaller of the two. And the smaller of the two is is the number of bits it can hide in there. Well, upon extraction, the extractor has to be able to determine which blocks are uniform and which blocks are not. And if you're altering the coefficients upon extraction, that uniformity measure might be different. So the authors of this technique change the quantization table in the lower right-hand corner, which is the highest frequency value, to a one. And then use that as an indication Um, use that coefficient as an indication as to whether or not this block is uniform or not uniform, which I don't like. Because if you have a JPEG and there's a, a one in that value of the quantization table, that's a big red flag as to, hey, there's something going on here. There's never supposed to be a one in that high frequency coefficient quantization table value. So I did something different. I just modified the way the uniformity was calculated so that I didn't use any of the bits that could be changed. And then I don't have to modify the quantization table. So the program that, that I'm happy to distribute to you all if you want it um, will not make any changes to the quantization table and will work just as well. All right. So here's an example. The program puts the parameters in the file name so that you can extract. Because when you extract, if you don't use default parameters, then you have to specify the actual parameters. Uh, this program is a very lab oriented program, not a production program. It's designed for engineers and, and people that want to experiment and things like that as opposed to a practical type application. So it doesn't self-detect, oh, this is the hiding technique, Uh, this is the alpha value, this is the U value and so forth. So it just puts it in the file name so you can remember. So alpha was 8, U was 8, max bits was 5, and quality was 100. So we find about a capacity of about 25 percent, which is pretty large capacity to be able to hide in there and it's very difficult to well it's, there's there's a technique to detect it which I'll show you shortly here's a quality of 80% we still had 26% of the file size hidden it's just a little bit smaller file size and i don't know what happened to that image that does not look like that did not look like that this morning when i went through my slides so i'm not that <laughs> yeah, there's a I don't know. You know, that happened to me in class the other day, too. I had like a big pink stripe across the bottom of one of the images in, the, in that. So I'm not sure what's going on with that one. Um, that was with quality 60. Wow, these are not coming out at all. OK, well, we'll have to come back to it. Here's one with quality 50. I don't know. Can you? It's kind of tough to see up on the screen. I, I can see it on this monitor. Can you see the, the, the dots in the screen? Can you see the blockiness? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you should be able to. I purposely chose this quality level to kind of illustrate that. In the top half of the image, um, you can see a lot of the the blockiness up there, and you can see like black dots and stuff that's not really part of the regular image. It's much more apparent on a monitor uh, than it is up on that screen. But if you hide cryptographically, okay, or if you use a password, then it spreads those dots all over the image. So you don't have it concentrated in the top half with nothing in the bottom half. It's spread all over the entire image. And of course this quality level was chosen with the high parameters, high capacity parameters in order to kind of illustrate that. All right. So how do we detect this stuff? Well, there's three levels of detection. Okay, or three levels of failure, I should say, for steganography. One is detection, that's usually the big one. Two is extraction. So some of the things don't complicate detection, they complicate extraction, okay, like cryptography, that makes extracting difficult. And the third one is destruction. It turns out destruction is generally pretty easy for steganography. Um, you can always just rehide something else on top of whatever you hid before when you look at the papers, the peer reviewed professional papers, especially for this steg analysis, they try to complicate the math. I I don't know if they are trying to impress their professor or impress other people that are reading the paper. I mean, Me, 2 plus 2 is 4, them, it's expressed as a summation sign. Okay. And that's just a simple example. I mean average is expressed as a summation over the thing with equal probable events and all this. I I don't know. I'm more of a practical type guy. Okay. Now, of course, uh, with embedded data size um, matters for detection. You know, if you just hide a single bit, it's much harder to detect than if you hide to full capacity of the technique. So general approach. As much information as possible is the key, okay? What's your adversary's goal? What are they trying to hide? Okay, what are you looking for, in other words? What tools did they maybe use? What types of cover files are these? Are these in JPEGs? Are these in bitmaps? Are these in um, movie files? You know what? Okay, check for tool signatures. Some tools actually leave a signature, like that modified quantization table value. Okay, or maybe I found out um, early on that the the code I used for the JPEG program um, always embedded a comment in the header. Okay, with the the title of the book or whatever for for the code. Well, that would be a big flag. You find JPEGs with that title, and you know that there's a steganographic program that uses that. Then, as kind of a clear indication, right? So, look for signatures. Um, what's your adversary's goal? You know, what's your goal? Detection, extraction, or destruction? Okay. What tools did they use? What cover files? What types of messages? Text, encrypted, compressed, other images. Look for the signatures. As I mentioned that. Also specific types of distortion. The high capacity JPEG leaves a blockiness type of distortion when when you use those lower qualities. That's a very common type of distortion in JPEG is that blockiness. When you hide in bitmaps, you get like a fuzziness usually. But in JPEGs you get a blockiness. So two general approaches for JPEGs. One is to look at the DCT coefficients and the program has that capability. I'll show you that. Um, And then the other one is to actually check the blockiness of the image itself. And I'm talking about mathematically checking the blockiness, not, you know, a person checking the blockiness. Some of the techniques rely on training where you take, you know, 10,000 good images, run it through, get statistics and then look for deviations from those statistics that don't make sense. The chi-squared test is a statistical type test is used quite frequently um, to detect stuff in JPEGs. Basic histograms of the JPEG file do not work very well. Which one has the hidden data? Okay, um, a histogram, so you know, a histogram is a count of the different byte values. So over here is a count of zero, which is right there. Here's a count of 128. Here's a count of 255, and then everything in between. Okay, that's what it. That's what a histogram is. So in a compressed JPEG file, doing a histogram of the file is Pretty worthless. I mean, you can identify that it's a compressed file by the histogram. Like, if you don't know even what the file is, if you get a histogram, you can say, oh, it's a compressed file, but you can't tell anything about hidden data. However, in a natural JPEG file, the DCT coefficients are generally balanced. There's roughly the same proportion of positive ones as there are negative ones. Positive twos. Negative twos, positive threes, negative threes, and so forth. And when we substitute, we didn't use zero or one, okay? And when we substitute into a positive two, that changes to a three. And we substitute into a positive three, that changes to a two. So we're swapping between two and three when we change the least significant bit. On the negative side, negative one becomes negative two, and negative two becomes negative one. So when we randomly hide in both positive and negative DCT coefficients, then we upset the balance of them. F5 does not upset the balance because it just subtracts. Negative Okay, negative one goes to zero and it's not used. Positive one goes to zero and it's not used. Negative two goes to negative one. Positive two goes to positive one. So F5 maintains that balance. And, of course, the swapping algorithm doesn't change any of the DCT coefficients at all. You will get the same look of the DCT coefficients before you hide as you do after you hide. So so looking at the DCT coefficient balance for the swapping algorithm doesn't do anything. That's when you have to look at the blockiness. So here's an image. um, We have size about 460K, quality 75. I lowered the alpha values a little bit on this one and used about 18% of the file size um, is available for hiding. And I used about uh, 9% total. Only used about half the available hiding in this particular (coughs) image. So here's a histogram of the DCT coefficients before. So the one in the middle is zero. And with zero. Um, it's off the charts. I mean, it, it's, it's so much higher that I didn't even use zero to scale the coefficient. I mean, that's the point of JPEG, is to get a bunch of zero coefficients. So, so there's like 5 million zero coefficients, and the others are like 20 or 30,000 or something like that. Okay, and <clears throat> the program does produce this, and it also produces a textual file with the actual exact counts, so you can see. So the green there represents on the left negative one. Gosh, I wish I had steady hands. And on the right, it represents a positive one. Okay? And then to the left of the green is what red, that's the negative two count. And to the right, that's the positive two count, the red. So the colors kind of match up, so it's easy to see um, how we're comparing positive one, negative one, positive two, negative two, and so forth. And just looking at that, you can see it's fairly symmetrical. Well, there's the one with the hidden data. Now, that's clearly not symmetrical. It's very, very different, right? Now, as a human, that's pretty easy to look at and go, wow, that's really unbalanced. As a computer, it's actually a little bit more difficult um, where you try to analyze the numbers and and come up with a threshold that says, yeah, this is unbalanced and and this is not. Because the numbers aren't exact, they're not exactly equal. Uh, But it can be done. This is after hiding with the LSB technique. Was the last one? The last one was after hiding with the high capacity technique, Um, and then this one's after hiding with the LSB technique. Okay, it's still unbalanced. This one's after wiping. Okay, one of the features of the programs, uh, because again, it's just an experimental type program, is that you can set all the message bits to zero, and I just call that wiping the message. Well, clearly, with the DCT coefficients, if you wipe anything. (laughs) really obvious. And then there's a, a random function also that just randomizes all the message bits, with you know, just a pseudo random number generator. And it's still very unbalanced. Okay. Incidentally, when you randomize the message, that's a pretty good simulation of hiding an encrypted file. An encrypted file is going to look extremely random. And so the randomization feature here is a good simulation of hiding something that's encrypted. So when you're hiding, you can even tell, hey, maybe I'm hiding something encrypted versus something else based on the coefficient distribution. These are the actual numbers. I'll just point out that the zero count is like 90, what, 92% of the entire count. It's like 5 million compared to the other. So it's it's way out there. Of course, um, F5 makes that zero count higher. But it's still very high. So difficult to detect F5 by just saying, oh, there's too many zeros. Now, I would guess it used the excess capacity to readjust the coefficients to try to rebalance them. Okay. SWAP DCT, as I mentioned, doesn't change any coefficients. F5 subtracts, it doesn't substitute, so it keeps the balance. So we need another technique to detect JPEGs that use uh, those types of uh, hiding approaches. Uh, I tend to get ahead of myself. I I don't like to read slides. So I know that uh, all of you can read. So here's a technique for detecting F5. And this is just a very brief overview. If you want the details, there's a paper on it. Uh, Decompress the image and crop it by four columns. And now we get an estimate of the original image by that. Okay. And all the hiding is lost. In fact, when you crop a JPEG, even by one column or, or one uh, horizontal row, you're going to totally change the DCT coefficients. So if, if you're wondering, hey, does this have a message? And you don't really care what the message is. You just got to make sure that the message doesn't get through. Just crop it. And it will be gone. Okay? So it will crop that. It will apply a, a blurring algorithm. And then it compares the predicted histogram with the stego histogram. And it's able to actually calculate the message length or the approximate message length from that. Here is the blockiness I was talking about. So this is just illustrating where where, we will apply this formula which also looks really ugly. But really all it's doing is getting the difference along that vertical column there, the difference along that vertical column, difference along that horizontal row, the difference along that horizontal row and kind of measuring them. If you have a natural JPEG that doesn't have anything hidden, then those differences should be pretty small because it's going to look smooth. I mean, it looks good. You saw the pictures, and in the demo, I've got a pretty high uh, uh, resolution image, and we'll look at that. So there shouldn't be much blockiness. Okay? But if you hide stuff, you get this blockiness. Even if we can't see the blockiness, you can detect a certain amount of blockiness with that. And we've got about uh, five minutes. I think we're pretty close here. Okay. Um, again, uh, e- extraction is more difficult because people will complicate extraction by using encryption techniques or by permuting the message. Uh, knowing the method is critical. Uh, if you don't, you know, if you're looking for swapped coefficients and it's hidden in the LSB or vice versa, it's tough to find the message. Uh, I talked about the sterilization already, as far as randomizing the stuff, or resizing the image or cropping the image. That's all very good for destroying the message. All right. So here's my uh, command window. and let's see what else do I need over there. Oh The folder. So just to prove to you that this actually does work, because anybody can stand up here and say anything, right? That it works. And I did, uh, I did script it out a little bit, just to uh, save time. So there's the command line. Now this command line is going to tell it to hide. The default algorithm is the high capacity. You can specify a couple of the other algorithms with the program. I'm just going to hide in this cat image and it's going to hide a PowerPoint. It's actually going to hide this presentation, but the presentation was too large, so I I cut it down somewhat, so part of the presentation. Uh, Quality 100, alpha 8, U8, and and it's also going to collect statistics and create those DCT histograms. So we'll wait for it to uh, finish there. This is a fairly large file. So it takes a few seconds on that. It's like nine meg on the output. Um, so here's the storage capacity. I don't know how well that shows up on the monitor. Oh, not not too bad. That was 1.8 megabytes, and then a bunch of other information. And here is. Oh, sorry, it's on the wrong screen. Here we go. There is the image with the hidden data. And we can really zoom in on this one. This was a high quality JPEG. That's me right there taking the picture. <laughs> you see any distortion in that? And let's see. What was the, what was the statistics on that? Oh, yeah. About 1.8 uh, megabytes. So 18% of that file is my data. Okay, not that data. All right, let's look at the histograms here. So here's the DCT before. Looks pretty balanced. Now this is a pretty large file, so, so the numbers are still not perfectly even, but in this graph, because the graph is very limited, um, they're so close, you know, they're close enough that they look perfectly even in that. And then after. So there's a clear indication after that there's some altered data there or that there's something unusual about that particular image. All right. So you still don't believe me because I haven't extracted the message yet. Well, here's the message. So this is, this is not the extracted. This is what I actually put in there. And that's just, um, like I said, a truncated version of this uh, presentation. Okay, so let's do the, uh, do the extraction. So, for extraction, you just use the command word extract. And what did, uh, oh, okay, hold on. Forgot to press Control C. Try this again. There we go. And you have to give it the same alpha values and the same u value. You don't have to give it the quality because the quality, all that does is adjust the quantization table and the quantization table is built into the JPEG. So, so the, the stego image JPEG has the quality in there, the, the quantization table in there. All right. So we'll set it off to work there. Oh, and then uh, this is the hidden cat image right there. Hid cat. Okay. All done. And here's the extracted PowerPoint file. Well, I wish it would have appeared over here. Let's see. I'll try it again because you're you're like, no, that's the one that you just did, showed, right? No, it's just appearing. It's just appearing over here when I double-click it. it. Doesn't want to come over there. Anyway, that is the one. Okay, so it's a truncated version of the uh, the presentation. All right. Anybody have any questions on that? I have a couple more demos. So this one is going to use a quality of uh, 50%. And I'm going to hide in the, uh, the dog. So there's a, a dog picture on here. Let's see where is he? Right there. Okay. This is a much smaller file, so this will happen faster. And I'm just hiding this little text message in there, c2.text, so we can take a look at that. Um, where is it? There it is. All right, so that's what I'm hiding in there. Okay, all done. And here is the one, the hidden message. So this one was done at a quality of 50% with the high alpha value and the high uniformity value. And so you can clearly see there's something wrong with that image. Right? But I did this one um, just to show you you can still extract the message. Okay? So if you don't care, you can still extract the message. So we'll do that, and it's very fast. And there is the extracted message. So same text message. Okay. One more real quick. This time we are going to do uh, basically the same thing except I will use a password. And the password is black hat. And we have uh, ‑‑ see, where did it ‑‑ yeah, that is the, the hidden file um, with the password that we just created. Okay. And you see how it's spread out over the entire image from that. And then if you use the wrong password for extraction, like say we use the we use the word black cat instead. Message entire message not extracted. The reason that happens is because I embed the length of the message in there, and then you see this is the extracted data, uh, but it doesn't look anything like a text file, okay It's just all random random garbage. But if you use the correct password, which was black hat and then extract, then you got the right message. Uh, I will mention that in this implementation, I limited the the uh, effectiveness of the password to fifty six bits just. I didn't want to uh, take any chances on violating ITAR regulations or something. I mean, I, I don't think it would, but but just to be on the safe side, I don't want to go back home and get thrown in jail or anything. <laughs> anyway, that's it. That's what I have. Anybody have any questions? Yes. If you sample it up and then sample it back down, right? Is, is that going to destroy the message? Oh, no, you, you will not be able to recover the message at that point. That, you will lose uh, your data when you do that. Now, with, with steganography is, is very sensitive to change. A field called watermarking uh, allows more changes. The the goal of watermarking is to allow you to make manipulations like that and preserve the message. But the capacity is much, much smaller. There's one watermarking technique. You can rotate it. You can scale it. You can do all kinds of stuff. And the watermark is still there. They only hide one bit. Okay. So there's kind of this trade-off between capacity and robustness. Um, Robustness being the more manipulation you can do. So there may exist some techniques that would allow you to do that. Uh, but it's going to be a much smaller capacity than you would have with, with JPEG. So with, with steganography you're trying to maximize capacity and, and so you have a, uh, you know, as much space as you can possibly get but any little change will destroy it. Other questions? Oh, okay. Um, now there's there's a lot of different pieces of software out there. This one will do right now. It does the swapping, does the least significant bit, and it does the high capacity. I haven't, there's one more technique I want to add, and I'd like to add an F5 type technique, but it's not in there yet. But yeah, there's a bunch of I mean, there's other stego programs, Easy Stego and JSteg, that hide in JPEGs as well. But there is no other one that implements the high capacity technique to my knowledge. But yeah, there's no all-in-one. There's there's so many. There's hundreds. Well. I think uh, another company documented about 13 or 1400 different programs. Your question? Uh, with the new JPEG uh, being announced, uh, any of these uh, are these by those um, I'm not sure exactly what standards you're, you're talking about. There, there is a JPEG 2000 standard, okay, which came out around 2000 that nobody's using. Um, that one actually uses the discrete wavelet transform. So you might be able to apply a similar concept, um, but I'm not really sure because I haven't worked with the, the wavelets that much. I'm not that knowledgeable on that. Um, and then there is a lossless JPEG. Uh, there's no reason why you couldn't apply the concept to that either. Okay? Yes? Well, you try to figure out what tool they're using. You try to figure out what they're hiding. And then one thing you could do is say, well, let's just extract as if they used LSB and let's look at the result. Let's extract if they used high capacity, you know, the high capacity technique. Let's look at the result. Let's do the swap coefficients and look at the result. So you could do kind of a brute force type of uh, thing to try to extract the data, but the, um, Knowing, that's why knowing the technique is very important because then you can narrow it down. Okay? Um, if you just have a file and say, here, there might be something hidden in there, you don't even know if there's a message in there or not, you got to do a lot of analysis. But if somebody says, well, here's a file and we know they use this program to do it, that makes it a lot easier. So it, there's no silver bullet to uh, extracting the data if you're, if you're the forensic examiner. Um, you Try stuff. Try to learn as much about what they're doing, what they're hiding um, as possible. (laughs) Uh, Well, it kind of depends on computational power somewhat. If you can, you know, if you're going to do a lot of this, then maybe you would write a program that would automatically do all these steps itself, produce all the results, and statistically analyze the results and see which ones look like. Uh, what you're looking for. Like if they're hiding text, text has very uh, set statistical characteristics. So then does this result look like text? Does this result look like text? And you could automate that. So then it's just a matter of how fast your computer is. Um, But the more you can narrow it down, the less time. Generally, um, it's a long process if you just have a file and say, see if there's something hidden in there. I have uh, I did do some research on that for the class, um, and actually, it doesn't necessarily imply a lot of demand because it might just imply a lot of hobbyists, you know, that like to write programs. I mean, not all of them are available, uh, you know, where you can just go download them. But the company that that I'm referring to, they made it a business to try to collect as many as possible. Um, but to get uh, more to your uh, your point on that. Um, I'm sorry. What, what was it? what was the question? How much do you think steganography is used? Oh yeah, yeah. So I found there was a about uh, a half a dozen malware programs that used steganography. Zeus, uh, Luron was one. Shady Rat was a very sophisticated piece of malware that was very targeted um, to uh, actual corporate espionage. Okay, and a couple others. I don't recall the name off the top of my head. I read in the paper uh, one story about where they found a video, of ter- a terrorists had a video and they managed to discover that there was some hidden information in there, some hidden text documents and stuff. Um, and then uh, there was another instance a few years back where Russian spies were posting images to a website somewhere and then, and, you know, or somebody was posting images and then the spies would download the image, run the little stego algorithm and extract the data. And the way they found that, they didn't find it because you know they were looking at the images. They uh, apparently captured one of the spies' computers and then noticed on the computer that had this program, they say, oh, what's this? Oh, look, it hides data. Oh, look, it extracts data. Oh, look, they've been to these websites. Oh, look, these websites have pictures on them. So they had 90% of the knowledge already and they just had to play with it. So I, I don't know how long it took to get to your point. But, um, they had a whole bunch of information. We have the tool, we have the images that have hidden data in it. Uh, and so it's much more quicker to find something in that case than, oh, here's an image, see if you can find anything. Other questions? You're welcome to ask me questions afterwards. You're welcome to email me on the, uh, the email address. The stego at satx.rr.com is the preferred address, but I'll respond on the other one as well. So thank you very much.
0: All right, and uh, yeah, what have you learned so far? You know, thank God it's a uh, podcast. You know, so you can pause and rewind that and and learn a lot of cool, interesting things. What do you think, man? You still uh, you still digging the steganography? Uh- idea and and ideas that we you know who knows what kind of information we have in these podcasts
1: oh yeah well i mean think (laughs) about it like it's essentially the art of hiding messages within other messages so i mean Mm -hmm. the way it's done digitally is through bytes right like it's kind of it's kind of like compression but not really i mean you yeah yeah it's 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 Technical,
0: yeah, and you but, just learn that in the talk, uh, and hopefully you learn it, how to uh, get off the ground with <laughs> what you just learned in the talk, exactly, yeah, and we love it, and we we do use it uh, quite often and uh, remarkably well, and so uh, yeah that 's why we uh, do a podcast no we 're just kidding, or are we <laughs> hey man uh, it 's been you know, I just wanted to say uh, I wanted to give shouts out to everybody all of all of the peeps uh, in Chicago, uh, everybody in l a New York. Uh, where, where else? Everybody uh, in Atlanta, uh, uh, Orlando, Miami, Tampa. What the hell are we missed? And we miss in Houston, oh, uh, yeah. Austin, Dallas. I think Cincinnati, right? Cincinnati. Hey, you know, speaking of which, you know, I gave a talk at uh, LSU, Louisiana State University this past oh, yeah. week. I did.
1: Oh, yeah. Okay.
0: Spoke to, uh, spoke to them at uh, LSU and had a great time, and it was real fun. I kind of like that. It's real fun. Yeah. I don't know why. It was just real fun. It was refreshing to talk to people. Well, I mean,
1: it's always good to surround yourself with like-minded people. So that's probably what it was.
0: I met two interesting people, yeah. A colonel, uh, an Air Force colonel, and uh, another brilliant uh, person who uh, has like five or six master's degrees. It was like, wow. wow. Smart guy, huh? Smart guy, yeah. I don't even know if I can get a diploma, but yeah. whatever. Uh, Maybe you know, an honorary degree. I should get an honorary Someone should honor me with a degree. Yeah. For, for fuck's sake. That'd be cool. Yeah. Some I mean, school will do it for you. I, you know,
1: that'd be pretty cool, man. Yeah, You, you know, never know. Honorary degree. Might, might, might get like MIT or Carnegie or
0: something, you know? That would be super cool. That'd be very cool. Any honorary degree would be awesome. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, uh, that's I think that's it, guys. Uh, that's going to wrap up the show. We've taken up uh, an hour and a half of your time. Uh, you know, I just I wanted to say uh, again. You know, I've said it on all before. I do all of that. Uh, you you can check out the website hackers.xxx, uh, and we are actually putting the Discord page up. We've been we are through beta testing. We're through alpha testing, beta testing, and. Omega testing. And so it's uh, made it through the testing cycle. Yep. it's uh, And you have been waiting patiently for that, strengthening everything. And so please yeah. uh, come. We will add the Discord link to the website uh in the next day or so that will not be uh go unnoticed and just uh so to check us out in the discord channel uh go to the website hackers.xxx and smash the discord link and you can come and chat with us or, or whoever the hell's in there yeah come and interact with us yeah yeah, it's really cool. Oh, yeah. you, you'll need to sign up for a Discord account. And again, uh, about a zillion people use Discord. Check it out. Do your research and, and your diligence. And I think you'll really dig the service and the, and the features that it offers as well. It's free. I believe it's free. Yes, it's free. Yeah, it's uh,
1: com- completely free. You know, free. Um, you know There's text chat and voice chat. It's like a superior version of IRC. Okay, so it's a modern day version of IRC. Well, yeah, it's a modern version. I mean, to me, it's superior. I mean, I like IRC, don't get me wrong. Yeah. I, I love IRC, but... It's just a little bit um, antiquated.
0: Yeah, I like IRC too, but I, you know, I come and go. I, it's yeah. just you know, it, it was a thing that I was in in the eighties and nineties, yeah. and
1: I mean, like that's what I, I still use IRC, but it's it's for different things. It's yeah. you know, testing purposes or development purposes. Like I the, don't even fuck with IRC. Oh, really. uh, I yeah. mean, you know, it's, it's kind of. I don't know. I I don't want to say it's whack,
0: but it's
1: kind (laughs) of, it kind of is. It's insecure. It's, it's, there's no encryption or anything. It's blah, blah, blah. All right. So
0: there it is. Fuck IRC. So check out, (laughs) check us out on discord folks. Yeah. Uh, And remember to share our word and what my word, and it's always been there. You can, you can check out the previous podcast. It's all about loving and caring and sharing. And that's what we all need to do. That's what I'm asking you to do in a peaceful manner. Yeah. You got to, with that said, folks, I uh, hope you enjoyed the, uh, this evening's uh, talk on st- steganography. Uh, it's really cool stuff, and I, th- I think you'll find some uh, great usefulness in it uh, once you start to understand what actually the fuck it is. Yeah. Uh, and then you'll you'll be actually be surprised. Uh, can you can you know? Here's one of the things that scare me though. What? Using steganography to launch malware. I mean, it's possible. It is absolutely possible.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just depends on the context you know you could actually hide malware with stenography steganography but but you have to remember that you'd have to have something to extract whatever you've hidden it
0: it with the techniques to begin with you know i believe that an existing system process could actually unfurl your steganography sort of malware once it's through a potential system
1: well it depends because if it you need something that's going to be able to detect that there's even something hidden within that file. Oh, that's so correct. It, like images, yeah. Audio, so let's video. say you you hid something in a bitmap, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you, and you can. Yeah, of course. Yeah, then you would need a process to actually detect that there's something there. Otherwise, it's not going to. Um,
0: Well, you know, we'll leave that for the hackers out there to create the external, the the additional processes to take advantage of steganography. Of course, but uh, just remember, you'll need a zero day. (laughs) (laughs) Well, not even that, because uh, you you know, inserting malware using steganography it'll just bypass any uh, legitimate sca- uh, system uh, checks and it'll actually yeah. get will full AI. Well,
1: again, you have to remember that you have to have have it execute. So you, it has to be self-executing.
0: Ah, not necessarily self-executing. Think about that. Well, let's, somehow let's some somehow
1: you have to have that malware extracted. Otherwise, it's completely useless. I believe we got some bright minds out there that can take
0: advantage of that. Right. And let's not use that for evil purposes, gang. Let's use that for uh, great good Right. I think we actually just divulged how to bypass uh, AI and all sorts of uh, seam systems. Pretty much, yeah.
1: Anti <laughs> an- antivirus hasn't been a thing Any, for a while, yeah. so I mean, I mean, you know, it's there's there's products out there, but you
0: know. so we've just basically taught uh, you know all of our listeners <clears throat> how to bypass AI and any type of security system out there on the planet.
1: Yeah, and there's also other ways of
0: doing it, Sucks. too. So, I mean, All steganography right. isn't the only way. It's not the only way, but it is leading the way. And so, with that said, folks, uh, again, check us out on the website, hackers.xxx. I'm on Twitter once a year. And other than that, uh, feel free to reach out to us if you have any questions, comments, complaints, concerns. Any other thing, my man, you want to? No, there? just uh, you know, okay. be good. Be good, folks, and remember to love and care and share and do it peacefully, yeah? Until next week, until next, until the 132nd show, please take care of yourself. And again, please love, care, and share and try to help someone that needs your help. All right, we'll see you next week. Talk to you later. Bye. Peace.